Hello and welcome to The Cost of Health, brought to you by the North Carolina Coalition for Fiscal Health. I'm your host and executive director of the coalition, Michael Kraskin. Today on the show, you'll hear part one of my conversation with North Carolina's Secretary of Health and Human Services, Dr. Mandy Cohen. Though she has many responsibilities, one of her most important is to implement programs that make healthcare more affordable and accessible for all our citizens. In this first part of our conversation, she discusses the opportunities she sees to expand health insurance coverage to more people and her commitment to do so without increasing taxes on our families. She also explains how lack of access to health insurance fuels the opioid epidemic. Hi, this is Mandy Cohen. I'm the Secretary of Health and Human Services for North Carolina. Thank you for being with us today on the Cost of Health, Secretary Cohen. Can you talk a little bit about what you did before coming to this role in North Carolina? Well, first, great to be having this conversation today. Um, Before I came to North Carolina, I worked in the federal government for a number of years. I worked for the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. So I actually first did a fair amount of policy work in the Medicare space on alternative payment models in the Innovation Center. Um, and then my career took a took a turn on uh, literally on October first, two thousand and thirteen, when healthcare.gov stopped working, and I started working on uh, the healthcare exchanges. Uh, did that for a couple of years as we as we right sided that that ship, and then the last two years of the Obama administration, I was the chief of staff and chief operating officer of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, and in that role, I saw not only Medicare the exchanges, but also Medicaid, um, and then had the opportunity to come here. My, my background, I'm a physician by training, um, and so obviously I, I cared for a number of Medicaid patients. My first job after training was at the, the VA, so I saw a lot of a lot of our veterans who had been uh, serving overseas and then cared for them before I went further into, into the government policy space. Access to care, affordability, um, and and driving towards a healthier society. That's what I'm interested in. So I was obviously able to do that at the federal level, but I'm excited to be at the state level because it's, it's in, in a way closer to the work and actually allows me to use a lot more of the doctor side of my brain, <laughs> um, which I love to really think about health in a more concrete way. And, and that's where I'm sure we'll talk about over the, the course of, of our discussion of how I'm approaching using our Medicaid lever, which is just an insurance, right? It's just like another insurance product. How do we use that lever to actually create a state that is healthier? Can you talk a bit about how Medicaid currently works in North Carolina and moving on from that, what you see as the biggest opportunities for the state? So Medicaid right now, as I said, it's insurance coverage for folks who are lower income. But in North Carolina, really, when you think of Medicaid and a Medicaid beneficiary, the first thing that should pop into your mind is a child. We have 1.2 million children on the Medicaid program, which is more than half the program. The second um, should be those in our communities that have disabilities, either born with them or acquired them. And then the last group of folks are our seniors who are mostly nursing home bound folks. So those are that's really our Medicaid population. And the way it works right now, as in, an insurance card would work, is that the state essentially pays the bills of Medicaid. Meaning that if you go to the doctor's office and you're on, on Medicaid, the state pays that, that doctor for those services. 
what the opportunity in the future as we're moving towards is a, is a big change coming in the way we pay for Medicaid. We're actually going to be having private insurance companies administer the program on behalf of the state. So within the next year, you're going to have a United or a Blue Cross be the ones that pay that doctor for that visit as opposed to it being directly from the state. So we yeah. hear a lot about the coverage gap, mm -hmm. which uh, are the people who don't qualify for Medicaid now, but also don't qualify for a subsidy right. under the ACA. What do you see as the opportunities for North Carolina to close that? What are some of the, the ideas that you're bringing to the table and you'd like to see happen? Well, I'd like to do what 38, 39 other states have done, which is take advantage of billions of dollars in federal money and bring those here to North Carolina to get about half a million folks access to insurance coverage. Right now, we know that these folks are working. By definition, they have an income, right? But their income is just not high enough to be eligible for the subsidies on the exchange, as you were mentioning. And so, right, these are working folks who, um, you know, may be working two jobs and thus don't, their employer um, isn't able to provide them uh, insurance coverage because they're not full-time workers or what have you. They're seasonal opportunities to give folks access to care um, you know and look our state is also experiencing a devastating opioid crisis um, like many many other states unfortunately North Carolina is one of the high, hardest hit states and we know that there's probably around a hundred thousand folks who could be in treatment but aren't because they are uninsured and we need to close that gap you know, I've had a number of uh, opportunities to learn about, for example, what what has happened in Ohio. Often North Carolina and Ohio are looked at as, as similar sized uh, situated states. And in Ohio, Governor Kasich expanded Medicaid. And, you know, one of the reasons why he said it was an imperative for the state was to fight the opioid crisis. And if you look at Dayton, Ohio, they've been able to reduce opioid overdose deaths by 50%. I'm a proud of our team for just leveling off, meaning that we're the, yeah. the death rate isn't going up as much, but we haven't made a single dent in going down at all. And Dayton, Ohio was able to go down. And that's because they have been able to use the dollars from the Medicaid program to get people into access to treatment. And then they use the other federal dollars and grants and what have you to actually work on the infrastructure thing, to think about prevention, right? Not yeah. just treatment, because it's not going to just be one thing, right? Treatment alone is not going to get us out of the opioid crisis. You need to prevent it. Um, and you need to um, think about reducing the supply of the illegal drugs that are out there. It's, it's a very com complex and comprehensive effort, but treatment's a huge piece of that. And I want to bring that tool to North Carolina. And look, there is a lot of different ways of doing this. Different states have different flavors of, of, of what this could look like. And, you know, I, I want to, uh, you know, I think we'll need a North Carolina solution. And, and I think that's, that's okay. Uh, doesn't mean I get everything I want. Doesn't mean everyone else gets what everything they want. You know, let's figure out a solution that can get half a million people access to care. But what do you say to those who say that it's not government's role to provide health care to everyone? 
I mean, look, the government has an important role both as a regulator and a payer. That is just a fact of, of how we have created our, our system. Medicare has 40 million covered lives for everyone over the age of 65. And, and the other part that's important to remember here is when you get employer coverage, when you get your health insurance through your employer, they're getting a huge tax break to be able to offer that. It's, it's a, just a different way of the government subsidizing our health care, whether it's subsidizing directly on the exchanges, subsidizing running the Medicare program, or subsidizing tax breaks for employers for offering it. I don't think there's a one right solution, and I think all of those things make up the tableau of what we have created here for our health care system, and there, there are a lot of historical reasons of why we ended up where we've ended up. But my point is, is the government's involved in law debt, plus I think anyone would want to know that the hospital also that they walk into is going to be safe and meaning certified that it's going to have high quality and, and they're, they're, they're not going to get swindled or worse, killed <laughs> if, if they walk in those doors. So the government provides a, a, an important oversight role. They, they make sure that you know hospitals and other facilities are safe for us to get our care in, right? So that there's always, always going to be a role for government. And in my mind is like, how do we make government most efficient and effective? And we don't always do it right, but that's what the exciting part is, and that's what I think we're trying to do in our, our Medicaid program is, like, how do we get, bring the best of what we see in other Medicaid programs around the, around the country, bring that here to North Carolina, focus on the efficiency and effectiveness of the program, get people covered, but also get more value out of every dollar we spend. I mean, that that's what I'm interested in. So we're not just saying get coverage end of story, right? It's get coverage and then bring them into a system that needs to operate better, which means, and we're doing all of those things to, to try to have the system operate better once folks have that coverage. What I'm not hearing you say is anything about a Medicare for all or single payer system. Some of the things we're hearing yeah. out of Washington right now, this is different than that. Yeah, I feel like there's a disconnect here, right, look, in North Carolina, we are having a deep debate about should we even expand the Medicaid program to get folks access to care literally with no additional state tax dollars, right? I, I want to bring $4 billion to get people covered here, and we're debating that, which is crazy to me. I think that it feels like a, a win. We should do that for North Carolina. And then when I hear the debate in Washington, D.C., that feels so far from where we are here in North Carolina. And, and like I said, I don't think there is a single solution here, whether it's you get your coverage through your employer and they get a tax break, or you get your coverage through Medicaid due to your your income, or you get your, your coverage through Medicare because of your age. Like, there's, there's going to be a lot of different solutions. Now, is that the most efficient? Uh, no, but that's that's us. That's America. <laughs> you know, we have our history, and there is good reasons for it. And, and I am also for radical pragmatism right? <laughs> which means like right we're, we're, i don't want to make such sharp turns that people worry about losing their access to their doctor or the, or their um the long relationship that they, they've had for, to a particular practice or any of those things so we 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 don't want to make such sharp turns and for me it's thinking about, okay, what is working? Let's use that as the foundation. What are the things that are working in the system? Because there are. We have incredible things going on in our systems and, and innovations. How do we take what's working and then move to change the things that aren't? And I think there are a lot of different paths to get there. I think all of those paths, though, need to start with the fundamental um, idea of getting everyone access 
But I think there's a lot of ways to get to access. Um, it doesn't have to be one payer. I think there can be many payers and many solutions, uh, and, and different states will take different approaches. Sure. You talked a bit about the billions of dollars that are not coming into our state that are apportioned from the ACA right now that we're, we're not taking advantage of. Right. And of course, we're, we're recording this the day after tax day, so right. that money is coming from us. It's going out of the state, but not coming back in, right. it's safe to say. Right. But it doesn't cover a full expansion, right? So there is still uh, some way that we would need to pay for the remainder of that. Do you have thoughts Correct. on that? Yes, the, the rules are that in order to draw down these $4 billion, we have to put up 10% of, of that at, at the state. So there's a couple ways you can put up the 10%. You can put up the 10% with state tax dollars, or you can put up the, the, the 10% assessing hospitals and health plans who are going to be beneficiaries of the fact that more people have insurance. So that is what the governor and I have, have been talking about is like, let's not put any new state tax dollars. We're already paying our tax dollars to the federal government. Let's bring that home to New North Carolina, no new ta state tax dollars, and let's have the hospitals and the health plans who are ultimately going to see economic return from this, let's have them uh, contribute to that 10%. And so that way, no new state tax dollars, and we get to draw all of those down. So that's, that's good news, I think, for all of our listeners. You see a way of doing this without raising taxes Correct. at all. Correct. And if anything, we, I, I, I want to bring the tax dollars they're already paying back to North Carolina. Moving on, do you have any examples of real people, any mm. stories that you could share of who yeah. needs, who would benefit from Medicaid expansion? Yeah, many. I mean, you can talk about whether it's a, a veteran or a farmer or um, folks who work in real estate or in the restaurant business. Like, it, you know, it's in think about industries that have lower wage workers or workers that work multiple jobs. Um, the restaurant business is a really good one. Farming, uh, you know, unfortunately, has been is is a really tough business um, for folks. It's seasonal. I remember talking to um, a woman, and essentially, her dad, who owned the farm, didn't have health insurance, got sick. I believe he had a stroke after basically neglecting his high blood pressure for a number of years. Had a stroke. The medical bills were so high that they had to sell the farm to pay the medical bills. And, you know, she is now working on that farm that her family no longer owns, but she is working that farm still, but it's now owned by someone else so that they could pay for her the, the, the bills, you know, and she would be someone who doesn't make enough, again, to afford to be on the exchange, but could qualify for Medicaid. She's working every day on the farm, right? So she's doing real work. A another story of a young uh, woman who, you know, just out of school, working two jobs, both of those jobs at different restaurants to like make ends meet. And she's doing okay, but not well enough to be able to afford health insurance and neither one of her jobs offers that. And all, all she wants is the peace of mind to, to know that she's not gonna get hit with, with, God forbid she's in a car accident that she isn't going to have bankruptcy for the rest of her life just because, you know, she's still trying to work two jobs that don't quite yet give her the stability that she needs to buy insurance. What we're seeing, particularly as I, I talk to folks who have, who are impacted by the opioid crisis, right, just at the moment where folks need insurance the most, right, you can imagine they have their job, 
things are spiraling down, unfortunately, they lose their job and lose their insurance just at the moment that they need the treatment, right? And so we have so many folks, like I was saying, nearly 100,000 folks, we think, would qualify for having access to treatment. Now, they have some income because they ha- had a job in that year because they have just lost it because they are not able to keep it due to their, due to their, their disease, their addiction. Those are the folks, right, we, ta- we, we take away their health insurance right at the moment they need it. It's, it's heart-wrenching. And what happens is we pay for those folks. We do because they show up in the emergency room with an overdose. And where's the most expensive place to get care? The emergency room, right? So we are paying for these folks. It's, but I want to pay for treatment and recovery. I don't want to pay for rescue. There's a way to right-size this, and some of that is to get folks the coverage on the front end that they need and then you know have them manage whether it's an addiction or manage their high blood pressure on the front end and not wait till something devastating happens and then we all are paying the the bill then anyway I'll give you one more story and this is about from some folks in law enforcement who we've been working really closely with on on the opioid crisis they see these folks that are kind of you know at the margins they're suffering from their addiction you know, they buy drugs, which is illegal, and they're picked up by, by law enforcement. The police officers know that the right place for those folks is in treatment. And they decide if there's an insurance card in their wallet, they take them to the hospital or take them to a treatment center. And if there's not, they take them to jail, right? And like that, that, and that starts the spiral of someone else is now justice involved in addition to having an addiction. And so, right, the more folks that we can get into the treatment side, we can get them back on the road to recovery, back at their job, back with their family. That, that's where we thats where we want to be. And when you say we all pay for it when they go in without insurance right now, mm-hmm. we're paying for it in the form of higher premiums, that's right. higher uh, hospital fees, and presumably out of our taxes to some degree. Yes, all of the above, right? So imagine that same person who didn't take care of their high blood pressure. They come in with a stroke to the emergency room. They go into bankruptcy because they can't pay pay the bills. The hospital still delivered all of the services to save that person from the stroke, right? They, so they, they, they paid their doctors. They paid their nurses. They kept the lights on. So the, the hospitals have, have, have delivered, but they haven't gotten paid. And so our hospitals write off about a billion dollars of uncompensated care every year, a billion dollars. At some point, they have to pay their doctors and nurses and so they have to pass those costs on to someone and what they do is when they go to negotiate their their rates with Blue Cross Blue Shield here in North Carolina they said well I got to cover all these uncompensated care costs over there I got to charge you more Blue Cross Blue Shield and that that means me I'm I'm a Blue Cross member as a state employee right that means I'm I'm paying more because there are more folks who are uninsured I mean it's classic cost shifting in 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 healthcare we do it all the time and what we see in the data is that in the states where they've expanded Medicaid and they have a lower uninsured rate, premiums for everyone else are about 7% lower. So it's not, not going to solve all our problem, but I'll take 7% lower. <laughs> I'll take a 7% reduction on, my, on, on our, our health care costs um, when we bring everyone into the 10. And again, no additional state tax dollars. So, you know, at some point you got to say, this, this, this starts to sound like the right uh, path forward. It's a good deal for everyone. Bringing 7% down on health costs would certainly benefit a lot of the families I've spoken with and, and the small businesses. Yeah.
Secretary Cohen's stories about North Carolinians struggling to afford health care are similar to many of the stories we have heard on this podcast in the past. Because we value the work done by farmers, people in the restaurant industry, and so many others, we need to find a way to make sure that they can have access to affordable, quality health care. Expanding existing programs, as Secretary Cohen described, is one possibility. It comes with advantages, such as bringing over $4 billion back to our state and ensuring that hospitals are compensated for more of the excellent care they give. It is not without controversy, but given the health care cost crisis we currently find ourselves in, we need to seriously consider every available option. In part two of our discussion, Secretary Cohen talks about work requirements, the role of tobacco, and the difference between investing in health care and investing in health. You won't want to miss it. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and tell your friends. If you have a story you would like to share or just want to get in touch, please contact me at michael at fiscalhealthnc.com or on Twitter at Michael C.K. Michael C.K.